Hello, my lovelies. You are now listening to The Vow, Voice of Women. The intention of this podcast is to empower women through sharing of real life stories. We have a fab lineup of inspiring, kick-ass, real, dedicated women. We're going to get down and dirty. What has made these women successful? What makes them tick? How do they handle conflict? And what might they eat in a day? So here we go. So today I am sitting here with Annette Stanwick and... I've uh, just recently been introduced to Annette, and I'm so uh, blessed to have her here today. I I feel like, well, I don't feel, I know she has a powerful story, and she's going to teach us a few things today. And so before we get started, we have a little icebreaker, chocolate or vanilla? Yeah. Vanilla. (laughs) I mean, I love chocolate, but I love... Vanilla ice cream. <laughs> okay. Straight or curly hair? Curly. Roses or daisies? Daisies. Facebook or Twitter? Facebook. <laughs> uh, dyed hair or natural color? Natural color. Oh, amen. <laughs> and uh, matching or mismatched socks? Matching. <laughs> <laughs> so traditional. Uh. So I don't even know where to start with Annette. Uh, Annette, uh, well, let's start here. She has quite the journey in her life, and she's going to share the journey that has brought us uh, with her sitting here today. Uh, A little bit that I just learned uh, about this amazing woman is that she has been married for 54 years and has two daughters. She lived in Ethiopia for three years, and I said, well, what brought you there? And her husband taught agriculture and she delivered babies and pulled teeth she was the vp of a large hospital in toronto she almost uh, died in a fatal car accident Uh, she was hit and almost died and and really obviously had to recover from that she rides a motorcycle she wrote an award-winning book in 2007 which is sold internationally and I'm going to let her share the rest. So, Annette, thank you so much for being with us today. I'm so delighted to be here, Tanya. Thank <laughs> you so much for the invitation. And Kaylee. <laughs> now, you are an inspirational speaker, an award-winning author, a freedom facilitator. Um, has this been a lifelong venture for you? And can you share this, this adventure with us? Well, I've always enjoyed inspiring other people in my role as a healthcare executive, whether no matter which hospital or private facility I was working in, I loved to inspire people and to uplift them. And after the accident that I was in that you've mentioned, I was actually thrust into public speaking all across Canada and the United States about that accident. And people wanted to know, how did I survive? How did I make it through those tough experiences? And so that was, a, that was something that was really an amazing experience to be able to share how much I knew that God loved me and how he had helped me through this tough experience. And, and I just enjoyed helping other women. I really enjoyed helping other women. And so that was, that was the beginning of my speaking. 
And then through a course of many, many other events, but especially after one of my brothers was murdered, which was a really, really, really tough experience. Um, Can you share with us? Are you comfortable sharing uh, us this this story? Absolutely, Tanya. I just had to take a deep breath. I mean, this happened in 1999, but still, you know, it it mm-hmm. um, you know it triggers mm-hmm. those emotions that come up. But I'm ordinarily not an angry woman. But after my brother's murder, I was angry. We didn't know for a year and a half who had taken his life or why. He was a long-distance trucker, and he was found dead, shot to death in his truck in Virginia. And because we didn't have answers, when you don't have answers, you make up answers because you want that picture to become clear. You want to know, you know, why or who. And so one night, during an angry episode, I was... I was trying to figure out what kind of person could have killed my brother. And I was listing off all the qualities of that person that I thought a murderer would have. They must be angry, bitter, callous, deceitful, dangerous, evil. And the list went on. In fact, I was so methodical, I went through the alphabet. I was creating a monster. But right there, right there in my bed that night, God spoke to me called me by name and said, Annette, your brother's murderer is deeply wounded. I love your brother's murderer as much as I love you and as much as I love your brother. Wow, I didn't want to hear that. Covered my head with pillows. I didn't want to hear God's voice, even though I knew it was true. But finally, I fell asleep in peace. And when I woke up the next morning, I said, Clay, I hope that I hope the day will come after I told him the story. I hope the day will come when I can tell my brother's murderer how much he is loved by God. And there are also people in prison who need to hear this as well. Never dreaming where that would lead. Wow. And did you ever have that opportunity? I did. I did, Tanya. Um, it was two, maybe three years later, I found myself in the courtroom in Virginia. Yeah, it was two years, two years later. Uh, found myself in the courtroom in Virginia. I'd been invited to present a victim impact statement at the sentencing of the one who pulled the trigger in my brother's death. I presented a very powerful victim impact statement. I, I thought about it for weeks and wrote it out very carefully. And, at the con- and I addressed all the hurts. I told the story about my anger and my need for grief counseling and how I thought I was losing my mind and how Soren had been ripped out of our family pictures and family events. And But then at the end... I said, another very important impact is that I've come to understand how much God loves you. He will never love what you did, but he loves you in spite of what you've done. And right here in this moment, I am offering you 
God's love and forgiveness and my own forgiveness. And you know, Tanya, right there on the witness stand, I felt a sensation like soothing warm oil pouring over me. Now I knew there was no oil pouring over me, but science is proving, science is proving that when we forgive and let go, we are healed at the cellular level. That I was experiencing right there on that witness stand, the miracle of forgiveness. And healing. And healing. When I got up to walk away from that witness stand and it was a, the courtroom was packed, I was a free woman. Mm -hmm. Those who were responsible for my brother's death went away to serve the rest of their lives in prison. But I came away a free woman. You were free. I was free. Of course, I will always be sad at how my brother died and that he's no longer in our lives. But I don't, what's past is past. So when I talk about it, it's not with anger and mm -hmm. resentment and bitterness. It's factual, it happened, we cannot change the past, but we can change how we respond. And I am forever grateful that God was able to take something so horrible as murder and make it into something meaningful. I've heard many stories throughout the years of not necessarily standing at a podium and giving an impact, a victim impact statement, but um, people who have been able to forgive, you know, the murder of their child or their sibling or their parent. And for those of us who have not experienced that kind of grief, because it's, I mean, you can say that death is death, but, you know, it's a different type of grief than maybe, you know, had he died in a car accident, yeah, you know? Yeah. Um, and so I, uh, I've, I, I can only imagine how freeing that is because what I know of forgiveness is that, Forgiveness isn't letting that person off the hook for Never. what they did. You Never. know, it's not yeah. saying that's okay, I forgive you. Yeah. It is something that you do to help your own healing, mm -hmm. to be able to move on past that that experience that you went through. So can you speak to that at all? Like the the you know, when when we talk about forgiveness, you've touched on it a little bit, but how has that been how has that impacted your life and how has that been able to help you move forward? You know, uh, at the in the courtroom that day when I offered forgiveness, God's forgiveness and my own forgiveness, I said, forgiveness will never excuse or erase what has happened, but forgiveness will is will set me free from those negative, powerful negative emotions that that we hang on to when we're hurt. So forgiveness has really impacted my life in so many ways because it has given, when I, that experience was so life-changing, mm. I developed a passion to help other people forgive and let go of their painful experiences. And so that's why I felt impressed to write the book that I've written, Forgiveness, the Mystery and Miracle that's become an award-winning and best-selling book. Um, I have a passion to help other people, and so I, I speak about it. 
I've spoken all across Canada, United States, spoken in Uganda. Um, I've, I conduct seminars, speak in prisons. Who would have ever, ever, ever thought that my husband and I would develop a seminar for men and women serving life sentences for murder? Wow, what an experience that must be. Inward, outward, and upward, the IOU seminar. And when we, it's a two-day seminar, two days back-to-back, inward, outward, and upward, looking at what their life was like that contributed to their criminal behavior. Doesn't give, doesn't rationalize or excuse, you know, have an excuse for what they did. But when you can hear their stories of how wounded they are, it just draws me back to that night in my bed. Your brother's murderer is deeply wounded. Mm. These men and women that have committed horrendous crimes, 80 to 90% of them are deeply wounded. The, the outward is taking responsibility for the impact of what they've done. And then the upward is to help them understand how much God loves them and forgives them. What doesn't change the sentence, doesn't change the need for justice, but it helps to set them free mm-hmm. from the past because they have been, oh, the, the stories of their woundedness are just phenomenal. Mm-hmm. But then for them to know that God loves them and forgives them, we see transformation happening right before our eyes. And and my husband and I do, we work in an addiction recovery center, a Christian women's addiction recovery center. Um, and oh, wow, the phenomenal experiences we have with those women. And it all relates, it all relates back to forgiveness mm-hmm. and God's love, unconditional love, acceptance and forgiveness. Now, I'm holding this book in my hand. It's called Forgiveness, The Mystery and Miracle, Fighting, Finding Freedom and Peace at Last, An Ordinary Woman Sharing an Extraordinary Experience. So really, um, you know, listening to you, Annette, and what you're doing today, your brother's death was not in vain. Yeah. You know, you turned that circumstance and that um, tragedy into you know, doing good with it and helping others. And, um, you know, not that you, you, of course you wish your brother was here today, but you know, you, you hear of two, two types of reactions, you know, people who, um, have dealt with what you have dealt with can spiral into addiction and, um, you know, hurting themselves and going down this rabbit hole that is no good, or you can choose to rise above it, forgive, and to really give back to your community, which which you have Annette. And I, I hope I never have to experience what you've experienced. And I hope that if I did, I would have the, the power and the forgiveness to come out of it like you have. Now, you believe in a woman's, women's voices are meant to be heard in your words. How are women's voices different than men's? Well, you know, I've, I've worked with a lot of men and in my executive roles, as a, as a healthcare executive, I was often the only female on those teams. And 
men have powerful, wonderful voices, but they are different. They are different. They are, they're bold. They're logical. Women can be very logical as well, but they just want the facts. Just give me the facts and, and, you know, and move on. Whereas a woman brings something different to the table, whether it's in a home, in an executive position, in sales, wherever it is, the two types of voices are different, but it brings such a beautiful balance. Women's voices, on the other hand, they're more gentle, more nurturing. They, they speak of compassion and understanding. And that doesn't mean that men can't feel those exact same things because they do feel them. But men have often been socialized and educated to pull up your big boy pants and don't cry and don't be a sissy and, you know, all of those things that they've been socialized to. And so many men I've known have deep hearts, deep compassionate hearts, but because of the way they've been socialized and trained, they are not as expressive with them. Women are more expressive and, and can share the, the stories. Men will share stories, but it's pretty factual and boom. Less emotion. <laughs> Less emotion. So there really is a difference in how in between men and women. And it's not a derogatory thing at all. It's just different. And different doesn't mean wrong. It just it means, means different. different. Now, I find that I'm hearing a lot more about, it's kind of a trending word, you know, whether you listen to Oprah, Brene Brown, you know, any of these authors, they're really talking about vulnerability. Oh, yes. And so what first comes to mind with what you just expressed with the difference, you know, between a man and a woman's voice is I, you know, it's been, you know, historically that women have a better time being vulnerable. So do you think that that coincides with what you're talking about between a man and woman's voice that you know, women have the ability typically to be more vulnerable than men. Oh, absolutely. I see it all the time and I've experienced it in my professional career. I've experienced it in my coaching. I've experienced it in my teaching and the seminars I do and the speaking. Um, I've, I've experienced it in working with women recovering from mental health and addiction and men recovering from mental health and addiction, women are more expressive and they're, they are, they, it's, it's innate in a woman's body and psyche to be more vulnerable. And women, when women get together immediately, they can go deep yes. and be vulnerable <laughs> with each other. Yes. My husband is, I just, he, he's so much fun because he, if we get together with a group, of couples, say, for example, and women end up over there and the men over there. And he said he always has his ears open to hear what the women are talking about because he loves the vulnerability and the deep discussions. And we do. We go deep immediately. Immediately. It's so true. Even my one of my best friends and I, my husband will often overhear our discussions and, you know, she'll leave and he'll just laugh. He's like, can you imagine if us men got together and we talked like you guys talk? Like, we just don't talk like that. No, and I'm thinking no. in my head, so are you saying you wish you would talk like that? Like, but we do. Like, you're so right. Like, we just, 
we go deep and we go like there's no there's no introduction it's no. like you know you knit you hit the nail on the head that's right that's right <laughs> i guess that's uh with the the book men are from what is it, venus women are from mars that's right yeah, yeah, yeah we're that's just, right we're, we're just built differently so this book that you wrote it was in 2007 yes and so i'm looking at the back of it and you are standing uh beside it looks like a harley davidson it is so it do is. you still ride you know i had to give it up three or four years ago i was experiencing carpal tunnel in my throttle arm and when i'd ride for two or three hours then my entire arm would ache for several days and because I'd had so many surgeries after that accident, I did not want to have another surgery. Yeah. And so I, I gave it up. It was tearfully, tearful when I had to let go of my bike, but that bike, my, my motorcycling years were so wonderful. We, we did thousands of kilometers on our bikes. We took vacations on our bikes, but it was on my bike that God spoke to me again and told me to forgive those people that had killed my brother. You know, above, above my wildly beating heart and the loud pipes, because my bike had loud pipes, lots of chrome, and ladies, my my motorcycle even had Swarovski crystals on the speedometer <laughs> dial. And, and, and if the... you could see Annette sitting here, you would believe her. She is a classy, classy woman on uh, a Harley Davidson with wearing leathers. Yes, I leathers love and <laughs> I love it. loud pipes and, and chrome, lots of chrome. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. <laughs> I've always loved bling. <laughs> And so you you found forgiveness. You turned it into this. It's to me sounds like this life quest yes. to reach out to others and share what you have learned about the the power of forgiveness. Can you share with us maybe one story that stands out in your mind of um, someone that you were able to coach and reach and touch through the power of forgiveness? There are so, so, so many stories. I'll tell you about Ron. Ron had been in prison for 30 years. He'd killed someone. And a, a, a prison chaplain gave him a copy of my book. He read my book and he read, when he read my victim impact statement that's in my book word for word, he was convinced he wanted to apologized to his victim's family. Mm. They tried to locate his victim's family, but they had left the North American continent and couldn't be reached. So just sort of in jest, he said, I wonder if it'd be possible for Annette Stanwyck to listen to my apology. And so they contacted me, Corrections Canada contacted me, to see if I would be willing to serve as a surrogate on a surrogate victim offender mediation. Wow. And I had no idea what that was. I would sit with him in place of his victim's family and listen to him. Well, I was coached by um, two members of restorative opportunities, of social worker, psychologist, and they would come and meet with me, and then they'd go and meet with Ron. They'd come and meet with me, and then they'd go and meet with Ron, and back and forth, sharing what our questions would be, 
what we needed from that experience because it needed to be mutually beneficial. And what did the, the outcome to be? What were our needs? And then after many months of preparation, I met Ron for the first time. He was an Aboriginal man in a wheelchair. And I said to him, Ron, help me understand what happened in your life. What was your life like? And he shared this story of being abused terribly in foster homes, escaping, being out on the street, was gang raped by four men. He was deeply wounded. He got into drugs and alcohol. One thing led to another and he killed someone. At the end of his story, I mean, and as I, as I, we walked through this discussion and I spent eight solid hours with him, just probing, asking, gently asking questions that he brought out the story. And then it was time for his apology. And that one of the expectations I had was the, the apology needs to be deep, real, and meaningful. That was an expectation I had. It can't just be, I'm sorry, and that's it. His apology was so deep. I'll never forget it as long as I live. The tears were streaming down his eyes as he told me how sorry he was for what he had done and how deeply he had hurt. Not only had he taken her life, but he had hurt her family so terribly. And he was so, so sorry. That was a that was a phenomenal experience. And on behalf of the family that I was representing, I offered God's love and forgiveness and my own forgiveness to him. We became fast friends. And for years, for years, he would call, he would call us every two weeks and we would talk, we would talk. In prison, he had been mean, he had been aggressive, he had attacked other prisoners, he had attacked um, uh, corrections officers, and he spent almost four years in solitary confinement. But after forgiveness and letting go and sharing his story, he became like a gentle teddy bear. People in the prison couldn't believe the change in this man. The corrections officers saw the transformation. He became a God-fearing man. He praised God for, for the changes in his life. He was an artist. He, my, home is, my home has several pieces of art by him. He died just a year and a half ago. I miss him terribly. He'd been in prison for 35 years. But that's the, that's the power of apology and the miracle of forgiveness. He, he, as he read my book, my book has a, has a healing process woven throughout. It's not just a story. 
there's a healing process. So it's a coaching kind of book, coaching people too. So, you know, that's probably the most profound story, but I have many, many stories. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you for sharing that. I'm like sitting here crying. I mean, you're, I know you're it's... You're teared up. I mean, it's, it's just such a... I, you know what I thought? I mean, I thought two things when I heard that story in it. I thought about the pain of the family who lost their daughter, uh, but I thought about the pain of what Ron had to live with for his entire life. Yeah. And in a lot of aspects, he was a victim of his upbringing and oh. a victim of his environment. Had he grown up in a loving family with, you know, a loving mother and father and love around him, you know, he may not have been in prison and that family may have not have lost his daughter. So yes. I think, you know, it's it's easy for us to to feel bad for the family that has lost the child because as a mother, I cannot imagine. I can't imagine losing a child or forgiving somebody, having to forgive someone who has taken a child. I also believe that if I was put in that position, you know, we are not, there's always two families that are involved in that. Mm-hmm. And so I'm so appreciative that you shared that story and that what an, what an amazing experience for, for you and for him that he, he was able to forgive himself and, um, that you were able to fill that void. Like what a, what an important role that was. It was, you know, it was absolutely phenomenal. And, and I know that these experiences are only possible by the loving, compassionate heart of God, mm-hmm. that he makes these opportunities available. Mm-hmm. I mean, yes, that story was not a story about women yes, and their yeah. stories. But, I mean, I didn't know that I was going to tell that story. That was t- That is so profound, though, to see that beautiful transformation, what he was like and what he became. Mm-hmm. Just absolutely phenomenal. And... And I can't take credit for that, and I don't want anyone to think that I am taking credit for it, because it was it's God's beautiful interworking of human hearts that made that possible. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you for sharing that story. I know I sprung that on you. It's all right. <laughs> I'm used to being sprung on. <laughs> Um, now, on your website, you offer vis- visitors free, valuable gifts, and um, one that stood out was making a meaningful apology. So for our listeners, can you allude to this? Because this could be, I mean, I even think of me apologizing to my husband for something. <laughs> so can you, can you uh, share? Yes. You know, making a meaningful apology is so important because... None of us are immune to being hurt, and none of us are immune to hurting others. And sometimes we just don't know how to apologize. You hear somebody say, well, that apology was so hollow. It was, you know, it was nothing. And so I've, I've written an article entitled, you know, Making, a, making and Receiving uh, a Meaningful Apology. And from where I sit, I think... And I, and I coach people in relation to how to make a meaningful apology. There are three things that must be included in a meaningful apology. Number one is regret. What is it that you regret that you have done or said or maybe not done or said? Because those things can, we can regret those things as well. So 
talking about and listing the things that you regret in whatever situation it was that happened. Trying to understand how they how it has impacted the other person. The, the second uh, um, thing that's really important in making a meaningful apology is responsibility. Taking responsibility for our own actions without defensiveness, without blaming the other person, but just taking responsibility for our part in the situation and owning up to it. The third, the third important facet is one of remedy. Remedy. What are we? What am I going to do so this doesn't happen again? So I don't do this thing again. So I don't hurt my husband again. So I don't say the things that I say, or you know, whatever it is that we've done. How am I going to remedy it? Am I going to read? You can read books. You can go for counseling. You can um, attend a seminar, learn things about the topic that, that surrounds the situations that you are so sorry for. So the three aspects are regret, responsibility, and remedy. And it needs to be rich, and it needs to be vulnerable. Pardon me? Authentic. Authentic, absolutely, Tanya authentic, deep, heartfelt. Because it's easy to say, I'm sorry. Yes. You know, like you said, when you were, you know, you spoke to Ron and you sat there and you said, I want a real authentic and, yes. you know, heartfelt apology because anyone can say, I'm sorry. Yeah. Anyone can say, I'm sorry. Yeah. But to, for it to be, for it to be meaningful, that's, and the word is meaningful. Mm -hmm. And meaningful should have those three components: regret, responsibility, and remedy. Mm, I like that. But you know, there's also a really important point to remember that when we do apologize, there's no guarantee as to how the other person will accept it. They may need to think about it. They may accept it enthusiastically. They may. <laughs> I don't know. I, you know, they may. They may need to think about it for a while. They may get angry and bring up other things that you've done. It's, there's no guarantee. So the important thing is that you do it, that you apologize and then leave the rest up to God and that person because that person has a right to make choices as to whether they will accept your apology or not or whether they will forgive or not. But don't hang on to expectations. I, this, is, this is what I expect to happen because there are no guarantees. Yeah, don't expect forgiveness. That's right. You do it because you feel that you have wronged someone and it is the right thing to do. That's right. But you can't expect something in return. You know, Tanya, I'm glad you brought that up. Um, it's been a few years ago now. I was speaking at a, at a women's event in B.C., there were between three and 400 women there. And I was talking about forgiveness. And I told the story of, I mean, our oldest daughter. I was hard on her. I was, that's the first time I was a mother. And later on in life, I realized, you know, boy, you know, I did some things that I shouldn't have done. And so one day I called her 
And I said, Mona, I am so sorry that I was so hard on you when you were a little girl. I loved you so much and I wanted to, I wanted you to be perfect and not have to go through some of the stuff I went through. And I just, I just hope you can forgive me because I am so sorry. And she broke down and she wept and she said, Mom, I forgive you. Let's just start over. You know, and she and I have a beautiful relationship today. Well, as I told that story to all these women, and I said, if you feel that you need to apologize to somebody, do it. It's never too late, you know. Yes, it was years later that I apologized. One woman stood up, bless her heart for being so courageous. And she said, Annette, I had the same urge to apologize to my daughter. I thought, I'll wait till she comes home at Christmas time so I can do it in person. My daughter was killed on the way home for Christmas, and I never had the opportunity to apologize. So she said, ladies, ladies, if you feel the urgency to apologize, do it now. That woman's mm. story was so powerful. Mm. Why wait? Why wait? There's never a perfect time. No, there Just is do not. It. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's a very powerful story. Yeah. Mm. Thank you so much, Jeanette, for sharing. I mean, you've just, you've had an incredible life and yeah. continue to have an incredible life. Could you provide some literature our listeners could check out regarding the topic topics that we spoke about today? I'd be happy to. If people, we're having some problems with our website right now. So if people would like some um, information on how to, how to um, make a meaningful apology or how to accept a, an apology or not, um, or if you'd like more information regarding my book. I was going to ask, and where can they find all of this? We're having some trouble right now okay. with our, they can go to my website. We can't sell it on my website right now because of some, some complications we're experiencing, but on my website, they can put their, they can send me an email and I'll be happy to send them a copy of my book. And what is your website? www.annettstanwick.com. A-N-N-E-T-T-E-S-T-A-N-W-I-C-K.com. Perfect. So if you are looking uh, for some information on forgiveness, how to make a meaningful apology to get Annette's book. It is all there. I'm so excited to read my book. Thank you so much. Now, Annette, what have you vowed to yourself? What have I vowed to myself? You know, I'm not a young woman, I'm, but I'm young at heart. <laughs> but I have vowed to myself that I want to if I feel that God is opening a door, I may not know what's on the other side, but I have vowed to myself that I'm going to walk through it. And I've vowed to myself that I want to use my energy, my enthusiasm, my learnings, and my heart to inspire, encourage, and uplift others. Mm -hmm. and, and to help them understand how much God loves them, mm -hmm. despite what they've done or where they've been. Thank you. That's a good vow. <laughs> uh, 
And will you share with us a charity that is near and dear to your heart that you would like our listeners to hear about? You know, what comes to my mind is the is the narrow road home in, in High River, Alberta. This is the Christian Women's Addiction Recovery Center. These women are recovering from addiction, incarceration, and sexual exploitation. And that program is so special. It is so wonderful. And it is absolutely transformational in what's happening in the lives of these women. Uh, that I, I just want to uphold them and to, if anybody wants to, to uh, contribute to that narrow road home in High River, Alberta. It's absolutely phenomenal. Mm. And are you involved with them, Annette? Is- Every month, my husband and I go there. We go there for an entire day. We spend two hours in a group session. Okay. We're involving all of the women that are there and that are, that are available. They, some may be working or maybe in one-on-one consultations. But then in the afternoon, we spend the entire afternoon doing one-on-one coaching with the women. And, and we do that together. Mm-hmm. My husband and I do that together. And um, we will coach anywhere from six to seven women in the afternoon. It's absolutely a phenomenal, life-changing experience to be there and see these women grow and develop and leave their past behind and and grow and realize that they can let go of their crippling shame mm-hmm. because they most of them are trapped mm-hmm. in feel trapped and burdened and imprisoned by their choices mm-hmm. but they can rise above it they can yes i, be- I believe that as yes. well well I, I think you know it when i think of you're a coach and when i think of a coach you know there's many type of coaches there's a life coach, a physical fitness coach, um, a business coach, you have a really important and crucial type of coaching mm-hmm. because, you know, you can go to a psychologist and they can help you with things, but the power of what you do and really deep diving into the trauma and the shame and then being able to teach someone to forgive I keep thinking of Anna Green Gables when she says, the truth shall set you free. Absolutely. (laughs) And um, so I just want to thank you so much for being here today. You've touched my heart. And um, your story is amazing. And thank you so much for what you do for our community. And you've made a business out of this. And um, so I really hope that um, people reach out to you after they, they listen to this. So I would, thank you, Annette. I would be happy to, to help your listeners. I would be so happy to help your listeners because, like I said earlier, none of us are immune to being hurt and none of us are immune to hurting others. And oftentimes people don't know how to heal mm-hmm. from their painful experiences. And that's what I do, is I help people face their issues, feel the pain, make positive choices, let go of the hurt, and then be free. That's a, I have a, I'm a freedom facilitator. Yeah, you are. <laughs> I am a freedom facilitator. So I help people find freedom and peace. 
Thank you so much for being our guest today, Annette, inspiring myself and our listeners. And uh, just thank you for being here. Thank you. It was a real honor. today's speaker. We hope that they've inspired you, made you think outside the box, and given you some points that you can apply to your everyday lives. Please subscribe to our podcast, rate us. If there's any suggestions you can make or feedback, we would love to hear from you. Thanks for tuning in.